Good morning. Whether you are joining us online or here in the sanctuary, welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I am the Reverend Michelle LeGrave, the co-lead interim minister. I am a white, middle-aged woman with super short hair, wearing a stole which pictures a sun breaking forth in joy. I am disabled. Sometimes I walk with an awkward gait, or use a cane, or use a mobility scooter. And until shortly before coming to this church, I was always accompanied by a service dog for mobility, a beautiful black lab named Bella. I am now waiting to be matched for my next service dog. My pronouns are she and her, and it is a joy to be with all of you today. I especially want to welcome you if you are new to First UU. If you are joining us remotely, and if you can, please say hello in the comments and let us know from where you are joining us. We invite you to fill out the online visitor form at austinuu.org. Simply simply click on worship, which will then show you a link to the form. We would love to get to know you better. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, wherever you find yourself on your life's journey, whichever your pronouns, whatever your abilities or disabilities, whether you've walked in or rolled in or joined in, whomever you love, you are welcome here. You belong here. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. It is in this tradition, this living tradition, that I invite you to greet the holy among us, either in the comments section or by turning to those around you. Good morning. My name is Nancy Barnard, and I am a white, middle-aged woman with brown curly hair, worn in a ponytail today, and green eyes, and I am your lay leader for today. Please join me in saying the words to light the chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Today's call to worship is entitled, Today We Celebrate a Dream Awakening. It was written by the Reverend Dr. Elizabeth M. Strong, who was an impassioned religious educator, pastoral counselor, parish minister, and lifelong disciple and scholar of universalism. Today we celebrate a dream awakening. Today we worship with renewed hope in our hearts. 
Today, we act on an audacity of hopes and dreams for the future. Today, we begin the hard work for justice, equity, and compassion in all human relations. For today is a day like no other, and it is ours to shape with vision and action. Let us worship together and celebrate a dream awakening. One of the things that binds First Unitarian Universalist Church together as a religious community is that this congregation has a common purpose. For First UU, that common purpose is the mission. The congregation wrote it together and emblazoned it on the wall in the sanctuary. Every Sunday, church participants say it together so that we may more readily carry it with us in our hearts throughout the week. Let us say it together now. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. The reading for today is entitled, Meant for Love and Beauty, written by Julian Jamaica Soto, whose pronouns are they, them. The Reverend Julian Jamaica Soto is a Unitarian Universalist minister and activist. I need you to know that there is nothing wrong with you if you find the world congealed and unwieldy. You were never meant to serve money, to give loyalty to unprincipled power, to spend your joy frantically soothing yourself in order to tend wounds of being constantly dehumanized. I need you to know that your sense of injury and anger is not overdeveloped. You are meant for love and beauty. You belong where you are known and where your future is not just a resource, but a promise which you begin to fulfill by being unmistakably, irrevocably yourself. You are not wrong. This is the time in our service when we center ourselves together. We breathe together. And breathing together, we sense one another's loving presence. Breathing in and breathing out, we follow our breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater wisdom, a place where a spark of the divine resides within each of us, a place where all of our bodies are both whole and holy, just the way we are. Breathing together, we quiet ourselves as best we can. We soften our senses and we focus inward for a short time. As we come out of our time of silence, of quieting, 
I invite you to light a candle if you are so moved. Candles representing sorrow, joy, hope, remembrance, resilience, whatever it is that you need to honor in this time. As we light candles, I invite you to keep in mind and heart members of our community who are ill or in sorrow and those who are celebrating joys. Let us hold the quiet throughout this meditative time. Thank you. 
And now we light one last candle for all those for whom there is no one to light a candle. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. This is the mission of this church, and this church is the most mission-driven church I have ever had the joy to minister. Together, we build beloved community, and the love which is centered in the word beloved is a serious love, a liberating love. Today, I'm going to talk about the liberation of a people we don't talk much about, people with disabilities, all kinds of disabilities, because we come in all kinds of bodies. Some bodies think differently. Some bodies process pain differently. Some bodies work differently. Some bodies see and hear and move differently. Differently how? Differently from the norm differently from the way human bodies are supposed to be, as if there were a single magical template from which any deviation is a problem. Before I go any further, I'd like to make a note about language. As with any group of people, disabled folks don't all agree on language, or anything else for that matter. Just like able-bodied people don't all agree on language or anything else for that matter. And language tends to change over time. So I'll say right up front that I choose to use words disabled and disability. I think that these words, disabled and disability, are the best way to get at the heart of what ableism is and why we need to do something about it. In other words, because ableism is still largely unacknowledged, talking about disability and disability justice helps to acknowledge the very existence of ableism. Maybe, someday, when we live in a more just world, I'll feel differently and I will find a better way to talk about the experience of living in my human body. Some folks experience themselves as disabled their whole lives. For me, I didn't encounter any serious issues until I was close to 40 years old. I was serving a church in central Massachusetts in a hilly little village, and by little, I mean a population of about 1,200. This is relevant, because in order to have a Memorial Day parade, it was all hands on deck, including all clergy hands. Yes, the clergy were asked to march as our own little unit right behind the fire department. (laughs) All three of us. (laughs) And since it was a hilly and fairly long parade route, It was also how I measured the onset of my disability. 
I went from marching the entire Route 1 Memorial Day, no problem, to not being able to march at all the next. Perhaps even more difficult than adjusting to the chronic pain was the process of coming into a new identity, that of a disabled person. Using a cane, getting a disability tag for my car, climbing into a mobility scooter for the first time, deciding whether I wanted to use the word disabled to describe myself, all were big milestones as was getting matched with my first service dog, Bella. So, too, were the obstacles I began to encounter and my realization of how inaccessible and ableist the world really was. Those were even more milestones. Ableism flies so far under the radar that it's worth a moment to define it. Simply put, ableism is the unspoken and often unthought about assumption that able bodies are normal bodies. As a society, we build houses, apartments, offices, stores, libraries, hospitals, restrooms, and more with this assumption. We design classrooms and museums and other educational or learning opportunities with this assumption. We create transportation systems, cars, airplanes, and even bike racks with this assumption. Have you ever tried to park an adult tricycle at a bike rack? And yes, we design our churches and our worship services this way too. Which is why there is a new ministry team here at First UU. A few months ago, I was approached by someone who wanted to start an accessibility ministry team. Her name is Vicki Almstrom. While some accessibility features were put in a place a long time ago, especially in the newer sections of this building, think hearing loops, a ramp up into the pulpit, wireless receivers to better hear the service, door openers outside the sanctuary doors, support grits in the bathrooms, braille signs and hymnals, and on. She knew that accessibility is about more than seeing, hearing, and using a wheelchair. The new team was approved, and she got to work reaching out to people who might be interested in joining the AMT, the Accessibility Ministry Team. Their first official debut was at the Connections Fair in December, where many of you submitted suggestions for ways that accessibility can be improved here. Beginning today, you'll start to see some changes taking place with both the worship service and the website, the two areas the team has identified as priorities. Because accessibility covers such a wide range of needs and in so many, many different areas of congregational life, there is going to be a lot to learn. And I include myself in that. So to share your ideas for accessibility or your kind, caring, 
and covenantally constructive feedback, the Accessibility Ministry team has a new email address. You can send your thoughts to access at austinuu.org. That's access, A-C-C-E-S-S, at austinuu.org. And that address is up on a slide right now as well. Like I said, there is a lot to learn to do accessibility well, and it will take lots of practice and practice on all of our parts, including those of us who are disabled, because we still need to learn about each other's needs, which are different from our own. This is all work that can and should, dare I say, as a UU preacher, should (laughs) be joyful. But before I talk a little bit more about what we're doing, I like to say something more about why. And it's all about that liberating love embedded right there in our mission statement. Those of you with a Christian background will likely remember these words of Paul's, and the rest of you will probably find them familiar too, as they are so well known. In 1 Corinthians, which is actually a letter Paul wrote to the church in Corinth about how to be together as a church, he said, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And so on. So setting aside issues with that particular biblical translation for now. I'd like to share, that's me geeking out in case you missed it. Um, <laughs> I'd like to share some excerpts from something the Reverend Tess Baumberger wrote, which is based on this same passage from 1 Corinthians. Here it is. Love is kind with people, but impatient with justice. Love is assertive and respectful. Love listens to the anger of those who experience oppression without responding, without defending, without interrupting, without explaining. It listens with compassion, seeking always to understand. Love is willing to examine itself its thoughts, actions, and unmeditated bias. It recognizes one's power to harm or to be part of systems of harm, with or without awareness. But once aware, it can only intend to make amends, to right the wrongs, to change the systems. Love is willing always to change, always to learn, always to heal. Love rejoices in truth and in equity. There is no limit to love's steady presence, or it's holding us gently but insistently to what is right. This love she speaks of is a liberating love, a love that sets people free from oppression and systems of oppression. 
This love is a love that does what is right because it is right. And this love is a love that doesn't give up doing what is right because it is difficult to do. This love is willing to learn and willing to practice. This love is willing to change and to grow. This love is a joyful love. This love is a liberating love. What does this kind of liberating love mean in action? Sometimes it looks like new slides in a different font, in a larger size, and a higher color contrast ratio. Sometimes it sounds like purchasing more wireless receivers because hearing aid technology has changed. Sometimes it smells like fragrance-free soap, shampoo, and lotion. Sometimes it speaks in American Sign Language. Sometimes it means the time for silence isn't actually silent. Sometimes it means that the preacher's image is left up on the sanctuary monitors. Sometimes it means that people move around a lot during worship. Sometimes it means that there's a dog on the chancel. Sometimes it means that the preacher speaks in plain language. Sometimes it means that we get a little repetitive. It's okay to laugh at that one. I did it on purpose. (laughs) Now, I'm guessing that some of those ways of demonstrating a liberating kind of love that I just named feel easier or more challenging than other ways. Take the time of silence, for one. Silence is an age-old spiritual practice that does have many benefits for spiritual life, for the inner spiritual life. And it is challenging, stressful, and sometimes even impossible for some disabled folks to do. Never mind the disabled folks. Non-disabled folks, sorry. Babies cry, children fidget, and elders, well. A number of years ago, a noise audit was done for congregational worship. You know what they found? That the elders made more decibels of sound than the infants and children. (laughs) I'm guessing, though, that the most challenging way of becoming more accessible to more people for Unitarian Universalists is the use of plain language. We use, as a whole, not just this church, tend to pride ourselves on the number of college and graduate level degrees we hold. I have a total of three. Though it is important to note that's not all of us. We are, though, on the whole, an educated bunch, and we tend to intellectualize a lot. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that. I can geek out on occasion along with the best of them. And people who have graduate-level vocabulary tend to use it without even thinking most of the time. Here's an example. My mom 
who also holds a graduate degree and gave me permission to share this story with all of y'all, spent much of her professional life teaching in special education. I often substitute taught in her classroom or volunteer chaperoned on class trips. The students who were in high school and college aged sometimes couldn't read or read at a second or third grade level at best. So one time I was helping to chaperone a class trip and a student who also had mobility challenges was struggling to walk up a paved path. My mom said to her in a very reassuring tone of voice, don't worry, it's only a steep incline. My eyes grew wide and I struggled not to burst out laughing. Later on though, she heard it from me. What was up with that steep incline, mom? It's a hill. It was a hill. (laughs) We are a family who love to laugh at ourselves and that joke lived on for a long, long time. My point in sharing that story is that while plain language is more accessible, it can be hard to change the way we talk, especially in worship and during the sermon. It does not mean, though, that our sermons and our services have to be any less deep or any less based on complex complex theological ideas. Let's face it. We're only getting so far in less than 20 minutes anyway. There are many stories I can tell about what it is like to live with a disability that causes chronic pain and limits my mobility. And many tips I can give about how to interact or not interact with and near me. A few quick ones all of which have actually happened to me. Number one, never call someone else's service dog to you while they are trying to go down a set of stairs. Number two, never park your car or truck or other vehicle with one end hanging over the sidewalk. We actually use them. (laughs) Number three, Never cut off someone who is using a mobility scooter in a store, either with your body, your child, or your own grocery cart. Those things do not have brakes, people. People don't realize that. They really don't. Number four, never glare at someone leaving... Excuse me. Never glare at someone parking in a disabled spot. Many disabilities are invisible, or nearly so. And yes, it was amusing to see a few faces quickly change expression once Bella hopped out of the car. And one longer and more humorous story. One year, I went out Christmas shopping for my spouse, Micah, in one of those dollar-type stores. I was looking to fill things for his stocking, 
And I was there with my service dog, Bella, a beautiful black lab, whose jobs included picking up things I dropped on the floor, getting my cane when it was out of reach, and so on. I was stopped by the rack of crossword puzzles and word searches, wearing my glasses, flipping through the pages of one of the books, when all of a sudden I heard two older men say from partway across the store, well, she can't help us, she's blind. So I tuned in to find out, A, if they were really talking about me, they were, and B, what they were up to. It turned out that someone, a niece apparently, had sent them to the store in search of some feminine products without clear instructions, and they didn't know what they were doing. I decided not to volunteer to help. (laughs) Curious to see what would happen. They did wind up getting some help from a store clerk. My only regret was that they were not around when I went out to the parking lot, got in my car, and drove away. (laughs) The moral of the story is, we never know what any one person's needs or disabilities or abilities are without actually getting to know them. We can learn how to put some good practices in place, but in the end, we are all different. And yet, we are also all the same. We are all human, and we are all worthy. Amen, and blessed be. Please join me in extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. As you go forth, in the many ways you go forth, May your hearts and minds be open to the many ways of being in this world. May your senses be open to new encounters. May the ways you experience the world lead you to transform this world. All for the better. Amen and blessed be. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.